0: Good morning. My name is Dave Jane, I'm the lead pastor here at Connect Church. And this morning, as you can probably tell, we're doing things a little bit different. Instead of me being with you there this morning at the school, I'm actually up here at Washington Square. And the reason I'm up here at Washington Square is because we're actually in the middle of a series right now called Carols. Each week, we've been looking at a different carol. And this morning, the carol we're looking at is one called O Come Emmanuel. And of all the carols we've looked at, this is the oldest one of them all. So I thought, let's, let's really tap into the history here of Washington, let's go to the square, the historic center of Washington, because did you know that Washington was founded in 1825? So it's almost 200 years old. Can you imagine that? I'm sorry, I, I, I'm getting a little bit sarcastic as I say that because I grew up in a, a little place called England. And London, where I grew up, that city was founded in about about 30, B, 30 AD. So it's like 2,000 years old. In fact, my parents attend a church right now just outside of London. And that church was established. It was built in the 12th century. So the church they go to is 800 years old. So really, the, the history here isn't quite as old as England, but there is still history here. And it sets the, the stage really well for this song, O Come, Emmanuel, because the song, I did some research and I figured out that it was originally a poem that was read as part of the Advent leading up to Christmas. And it was written originally in Latin, and it dates back to somewhere between the 8th and 12th century. So this song that you, we sing every Christmas, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, its history can be traced back. People have been singing and chanting and reciting this for over a thousand years, and we still sing it at Christmas, and I believe that the reason that the song has stood the test of time is because the message is so powerful, because the song is saying, oh come Emmanuel, and that word Emmanuel, that really just sums up what Christmas is all about, because Emmanuel, it literally means God with us. And that's what we remember at Christmas time, is that God came to be with us. Because did you know that originally when God created the heavens and the earth, He created Adam and Eve, and and we read that they, they communed together, that God and Adam and Eve, they were in relationship with one another. God was in the garden with Adam and Eve. But then we read that Adam and Eve, there was one tree that they weren't to eat from. But because of their free will, they made, a, they made a bad decision and they chose to go against God's instructions and they ate the forbidden fruit. And because they did, it brought separation between man and God. So in the very beginning of, of time, in that, in that garden, God and man were separated. And for hundreds, thousands of years, man had a relationship with God. He could communicate with God, but God was far away. So man would, 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 would talk to God and, and they would do sacrifices to make themselves right with God. And God would communicate to them through prophets and through leaders going through. You can read all about that in the Old Testament. But there was always that separation between God and man. And man didn't want that. Man was hungering for that relationship to be able to communicate face-to-face, to be in relationship with God again. And God didn't want that. God wants to be able to communicate and be in relationship with man. And we know this to be true because hundreds of years before Jesus was born, in fact, 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote a prophecy. He actually talked about the fact that one day God again would be with man. God would be with us. We can read it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You can read along here with me. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So for hundreds of years, the the people of God, they would read this promise and they would hang on the words of this prophecy, saying, one day, Emmanuel will come. God will be with us again. Which is why it's so amazing that 700 years later, when Jesus was born, that Matthew, one of the disciples who writes about the the life of Jesus, he understood the significance of this baby's birth. He understood that for hundreds of years, this had been the cry of the people's hearts. And Matthew, when he tells the story of, of the Christmas story of Jesus being born, he tells of Mary discovering that she was pregnant. And then he tells of her explaining to Joseph that um, God had appeared to her and said that she would be having a child. And Joseph struggles with this, but then an angel appears to Joseph and he communicates to Joseph exactly what's happening here. And we can read that in the book of Matthew. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife but this is what we've been waiting for. For hundreds of years, since Isaiah predicted that this day would come, we have been waiting for the day when we could say, Emmanuel, God with us. And when Jesus was born, Jesus the Son of God, into that manger, Matthew was saying, God is here with us. So why am I telling you all this from Washington Square? Why not, why not come and tell you in person? Well, I want to illustrate this morning the power of Emmanuel, what that really meant to the people in that day. Because you see, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. You can hear me. You can understand what I'm saying. I mean, you can understand what I'm saying as best as you can normally understand what I'm saying. But um, anyway, you can hear me loud and clear. You can understand me. You can even communicate to me if you'd like. You could send me a text right now. You could email me. You could call me. So we're in communication with one another, but I'm a, I'm, even though I'm only a mile away from you down here at the square, there's a separation right now between me here and where you guys are this morning in the middle school. And that's what was, life was like up until that very first Christmas. But that phrase, Emmanuel, that word, God with us, everything changed. And I want to really use this to illustrate the power of that this morning. Because God with us made such a huge difference. And me being down here, I can communicate with you, but it's nothing like being there in person, speaking to you face to face. And now here I am, live and in the building. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Now I'd actually asked the creative team if when I came out there could be like a big puff of smoke or something like that, and then I would appear... But uh, they couldn't produce. So. And, um, and don't get me wrong, I do realize that there is a drawback with this illustration. I wanted to try and illustrate you know, what it would look like for me to be away and then here. Um, but I am by no means trying to compare my presence with you, um, with God's presence on earth through Jesus. Obviously, I'm, I'm very far from that. I wanted to illustrate the difference it makes in any relationship to be present instead of far away. Because I know what it's like to have relationships that are far away. I have friends and family in the UK, and uh, I get to FaceTime with them and talk to them, you know, and see their faces. And that's great, but there's nothing like actually seeing them in person. And that's why this word Emmanuel is so important. At Christmas, it reminds us that God came to be with us, present with us, face to face, And I want to explain what that means to all of you here this morning. You see, here's my goal today. Before we're through, with the help of God, I'm praying that you will become convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that God is, that God was, and that God will always be with you because He is Emmanuel, God with us. And when God plants that truth in your heart... I'm here to tell you that you will never be the same again. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're here and you're questioning this whole idea of of God being with us. Maybe you've always pictured him as a, a far away distant figure maybe associated with a cold and sterile church building, kind of like a distant parent that no matter how much you try, you'll never quite reach their expectations. But I want to tell you this morning that God is a loving Father, a loving Heavenly Father, who is right here, right now, and He wants you to know He is here with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christ follower, but when I tell you that God is with you, you're kind of like, really? Because I I, I don't feel him right now. There's no tingly, no, no goosebumps. You know, I don't actually feel him. But let me tell you that as someone who has followed Christ for many years now, one thing I've learned is that sometimes it's actually easier to see him in the rear view mirror than in the moment. And what I mean by that is, although I know for sure that God is present with me at all times, sometimes it's as I look back, as I reflect back on what he has done in my life. That's when I see evidence of him more than sometimes in the moment. You know, at Christmas we talk a lot about Joseph and Mary, but there was another very famous Joseph written about in the Bible. You're probably familiar with him. He lived hundreds of years before Joseph, the father of Jesus. He was actually one of 12 sons. And you may be familiar with him as the Joseph who had the beautiful, colorful coat that his dad gave to him as a present. You know, his dad gave him that coat because Joseph was his favorite son. And this obviously caused problems with his other 11 brothers. And I love this story of Joseph. In fact, I think next year we're going to spend some time maybe talking some more about Joseph because I, I really think there's such a lot we can learn from his life. But Joseph, he had this roller coaster of an existence. But God was with him. You know, if you're not familiar with the story, Joseph was, uh, he went out in the fields one day to visit with his brothers. And while out there, he, uh, his brothers concocted this plan to finally get rid of this spoiled younger brother of theirs. So they were going to kill him. But then they decided, you know what, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery instead and just tell our dad that he was killed. So that's exactly what they did. Some slave traders were going by, and they, they sold him, pocketed the money, and went home to tell their dad that their, their brother, his son, had been killed. So Joseph, he, he obviously had to be questioning where God was in this. He had this, these dreams that one day he would be a leader, and here he is, uh, finding himself in Egypt, a slave. But you know, we learn as we read about Joseph that he excelled in all that he did. He actually grew in this this household where he was a slave. The head of the household was a man by the name of Potiphar. And as he continued on to serve in this household, he became actually the head of the whole household. Potiphar trusted him that much. Now, unfortunately, Potiphar's wife, she had a bit of a soft spot for Joseph, and she, she tried to seduce him. Now, Joseph, being a man of integrity, he fled from her. But in the process, she was able to snatch his cloak, and she used that then as evidence to say to her husband, Listen, he tried to seduce me. So Potiphar had no choice but to throw Joseph into prison. And the roller coaster ride continued. No sooner had Joseph found himself at the peak um, in Potiphar's household, now he was back down at the valley again of a prison cell. But after being there a while, uh, Pharaoh, the the commander of all of Egypt, the person in charge of all of Egypt, he was having these dreams and he needed somebody to interpret these dreams. And Joseph, he had a gift for being able to interpret dreams. So they called Joseph forward and Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh was so impressed that he, uh, he released Joseph from prison and actually set him in place as second in charge of all of Egypt. And Joseph, you know, as he looked at his life, he had to wonder, you know, where God was in all of this. But in in the book that tells the story of Joseph, in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, in chapter 39, 21, in the midst of one of his darkest moments in that prison cell, we read this verse. It says in Genesis 39, 21, the Lord was with him. And throughout all of those ups and downs, Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. In fact, when Joseph's brothers came face to face with him and realized that now he was almost uh, in charge of all of Egypt and with just a single word he could have them all killed, they were terrified. But Joseph says to them, Listen, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Because at that point later in his life, looking in the rearview mirror, he could now see how in all those times God had been with him. You know, uh, Casey and I, uh, as I was preparing for this message, I was, I was looking back on my life and thinking about the times that God has been with us. You know, when we first got married, I was working for a church at the time, and it definitely wasn't one of the most lucrative careers that you could have pursued. And uh, I, I married Casey and now was eligible for a green card, which was pretty handy. That was the main reason we got married. I'm just kidding. No, there was, there was some uh, some love there as well, which was great. But, uh, but no, anyway, so I, I was able to get this green card, but I had to go through a legal process to do it. And the, the church at which I was working, they were very gracious. They, they um, paid for a lawyer, a Chicago lawyer, an immigration lawyer, to help us through that process. So I remember the pair of us, we were just newly married. We went up to Chicago in this, you know, this guy's office, and we were sat there, and he was going over the forms with us, and... He says, you know, this can't be right, and I'm looking at the forms, and he was referring to our salary, and I said, no, no, that's right, and I think he was confused, because I think the number he was looking at was probably about the same number that he spends on coffee each year, and that was what we lived on as a couple, and he says, no, 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 this can't be right. He said, because if this is right, you two are living below the poverty line, which is always good to hear from your lawyer when you're, you're meeting there, you know, that you're actually living below the poverty line, but... The reality is, we, we didn't know that. And, and actually, in our life, looking back now, I can see how God met all of our needs. Maybe not all of our wants, but he met all of our needs. You know, there's another situation in our life. Just after Ben, our first son, was born, he was almost a year old. And uh, I remember going to uh, a store one day. I pulled up outside and Case stayed in the car and Ben was in his car seat in the back. And I went to the store and I'd only been there a couple of minutes when suddenly she came running in with ben in her arms going dave dave something is terribly wrong and as i looked ben's eyes were kind of rolled back in his head and i didn't know what was going on and we we discovered later that he was having a seizure and it turned out to be one of several seizures that he had in those first couple of years of life and for us as a couple this was so hard going through this Seeing our son um, with these seizures. We were young parents. We had no idea how to cope with this. We had doctors telling us that this could possibly be something he'll battle with all his life. They would tell us about extreme medical procedures and um, medicine that he would have to be on to control them. And we prayed and we asked God uh, to help heal him. And we, we were so fortunate, so blessed. And I believe God answered our prayers because Ben grew out of these seizures. They were what's called febrile seizures, which means they were fever-related. And, and we were told this could be something he will grow out of, and he did. He's 13 now, and he's perfectly normal. Well, about as normal as you can be as, as a 13-year-old boy. But in the last 10-plus years, he hasn't had one seizure. And as we look back over our lives, we realize that God was right there with us through all of that, through those difficult times. And I know that if I was to go around here this morning with a microphone, others could tell similar stories and say, Dave, I I can look back in my life and I can see time and time again how God was with me. And, you know, just as I know that he has always been with me, I trust, looking forward, that he always will be with me in the future, whatever that may bring. Could you imagine what it must have been like for Mary and that first Christmas in, in Luke 1, we read that an angel appeared to her. And this is what he said. He said, greetings. You are highly favored. You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I think knowing what Mary was um, going to go through in her life, I think the angel needs to make sure that the very first thing he told her before anything else was, hey, the Lord is with you. The Lord will be with you. Because think about it for a moment, this, this little girl, this teenage girl, imagine if she could have seen the future, what that would have been like. I think it would have freaked her out completely. Imagine if she could have seen it. She would have said, God, God will be with me when I conceive this child by the Holy Spirit. God will be with me when I tell Joseph. And God will be with me when Joseph hears from an angel and says, listen, this is cool, this is God's plan. I wonder if she could have fathomed the fact that God would be with her as she traveled on a donkey's back for a hundred miles. That God would be with her when there was no room for them at the inn. And that God would be right there with her when she gave birth to the Son of God in a stable, in a manger, next to farm animals. I wonder if she ever could have imagined that God would be right there with her when she was on the run trying to save the life of her son. That he would have been with her when, when that son became 12 years old and she, she lost him. She couldn't find him. And then discovered that he was actually in the temple asking questions, answering questions, teaching and saying he was about the father's business. That years later God would still be with her at that wedding feast when they ran out of wine. And they watched as as her son turned water into wine and performed the first of many miracles that were to come. I wonder if she would have realized that God would be right there with her when she watched her son being falsely persecuted and accused. What she would have thought when she saw that son of hers suffer on a cross, brutally abused by the sinners for whose sin he would die as they drove stakes through his body. She would have said, God was with me as I watched him suffer. God was with me when he looked up to heaven and said to his father, it is finished. God was right there with her when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And God would have been with her when the earth went dark. He would have been with her when the whole earth shook. And he would have been with her on that first night when she waited and wondered. You know, I think God was right there with her on the second night when she was still waiting and still wondering. And then God was still with her on that third day when the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and he was no longer there. Because he had risen, he is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is God who was with us, and he is God who is with us, and he is God who will be with us, no matter what we go through. God will be with you, every one of you, whatever you go through in your life. But there's one other thing I want you to know here this morning, and that is that not only was God with us, not only will God be with you, but right now, here in the present, God is with you. And I think this morning that some of you here, you have a hard time accepting that. And I think the reason you have a hard time accepting that God is right here with you is because you know who you are. You know what we don't see. You know those inner um, secrets that no one else knows about. And you find yourself saying, Dave, if you really knew me, you'd understand why God wouldn't want to be with me. You know, God wants to be with you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you so much. I had a friend that lived in England and... He told me a story once about a couple. He knew that um, it was a young couple. They had two sons. I think they were eight and six years old. And these boys and their parents. They had a grandpa. Mum's uh, mother had passed away, and mum's dad. He uh, he was still alive, but he was starting to uh, show the early signs of Alzheimer's. So as a family, the mom and the dad, they talk together and pray together and they knew that he really wasn't fit to live by himself anymore. So they, they decided that rather than put him in a home, they had a spare room in the house so they would have grandpa come and live with them. And it was tough on them as a family because, you know, he's living there and his, his health is deteriorating. He's getting worse. And they have to look after him and they have to help feed him and bathe him and dress him. But... they tell me the story and um i guess one of the other difficult things about having grandpa live with him is that grandpa had false teeth and for all of you here this morning that have false teeth you'll know this to be true that each night you need to take those teeth out and you put them in a glass of water beside your bed and that uh you know you put some antibacterial stuff in or whatever and that, that cleans your teeth overnight so next thing in the morning when you wake up you put the teeth back in they're all clean and fresh well, because Grandpa was suffering and his health was suffering, there would be some nights where he'd forget to take his teeth out. So Dad would come home from work the next day, and as he walked into the house and he walked into the room that Grandpa was in, he'd, he'd start to smell those rotten teeth. He'd say to his wife, Grandpa forgot to take his teeth out last night, didn't he? And she said, yeah. And this kind of this bad smell would, would come about. Well, he told me that one night he was... Uh, They would finished dinner and they went in as a family to watch TV together, mum, dad, the two boys and grandpa. And as they were sitting there watching TV, it was very clear that it had probably been two or three days now since grandpa had taken his teeth out. Because just sat there in that room, the smell was really bad. And it was time for bed and dad says to the boys, okay boys, you know, off you go, time for bed. Say goodnight to Grandpa. And as they went to leave, uh, the first son, the oldest son, he kind of ran by and said, "Night, no, Grandma. But the second son, the six-year-old, he he walked up to Grandpa and he he kind of walked right up to him and he went, ah! he took a deep breath in and he leaned forward and he gave Grandpa a big kiss on the lips. And then he pulled away and he went, ah! and he went upstairs to bed. A little bit later on, Dad went up to tuck the boys in and put them to sleep and he sat down on his youngest son's bed and he said, son, that was really nice of you to, to give grandpa a kiss on the lips like that. And his son almost looked confused as he looked back at him and he said, but dad, why wouldn't I? He's my grandpa. I love him. And the reality is in that moment, that dad saw something of God's love for us in his six-year-old son. That God would say to us but why wouldn't I? I love you. God sees the sin in our lives. God sees the mess. And, and I think to him, it gives off the same kind of stench as grandpa's teeth did. But God loves each and every one of you here so much this morning. He wants to be with you. That's what that word means in that carol. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why I think this great news has been sung or recited for over a thousand years now. Because the story was as, as real back then in Bible times as it is now that God wants to be with us. And maybe you're here this morning thinking, well Dave, you're saying God is with us. And, and I understand what you're saying. And I can see how that worked, you know, back when Jesus walked this earth for 30 odd years. The people who met Jesus while he was alive... How does that help me today? Surely I'm in the same boat as the people that lived before Jesus was born. No, that's the great news this morning. You see, after Jesus' death, and after he was raised from the dead, there came a point when he ascended ascended back up to heaven. And following that, God sent his Holy Spirit. This means he is now ever-present, ever-present. Everywhere, accessible to us all. Jesus knew this. In fact, uh, in one of the, the books written about Jesus John, by, the, by an author, John, he quotes Jesus as saying this in John sixteen seven. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the comforter won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is saying here, it's good that I go away. Because when I do, the comfort of the Holy Spirit can come back in my place and he can be everywhere at all times. That means that from that day onwards, God was present with every one of us. But here's the deal. You see, earlier, if you remember on the the video that I showed at the beginning when it was me up at the square coming to you by video, I was a long way away. I mean, I say a long way, I I was a mile away, so I guess it wasn't that far, but if you're walking, maybe it was quite a long way. But either way, I was separate from all of you here. And then this morning in this service, you got to see the difference it made for me to actually appear and be here in the flesh, to be present with you. It was a different experience than just watching me on the screen. And I think that for some of you this morning, you may feel that God is a long way away. But I want to tell you that's not his doing. That's yours. He is ready and willing and he desires to be close to you. He wants to be Emmanuel to you. He wants to be close to you this morning. But he's waiting to be invited. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you. Would you invite Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior this morning? He is dying to be close to you. And it's only you that's keeping him away. So this morning, just move that out of the way and say, Jesus, I want to be close to you. I want to really experience Emmanuel, God with us. And you can think that through. You can pray about that right now. We're going to sing that song together, Emmanuel. And as you listen to the words of this song, as the, as the band come and sing this song right now, listen to the words of the song and think about the word Emmanuel, God with us. And maybe as the song is playing, pray that prayer, God, I want you to be with me this morning.
1: Come